Welcome to SL Advisors Talks Energy. I'm Simon Lack. At SL Advisors, we invest in energy infrastructure. We read about energy. We talk to people in the energy sector. We write about energy. We explore how the shale revolution is leading to American energy independence and how climate change is impacting how energy is produced and used. Nothing we say should be construed as a sale of securities, which can only be made through the relevant prospectus. In this week's podcast, I'm going to discuss who's responsible for excessive student debt. I just finished reading The Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton. Her book argues that because a government can never run out of its own money, it can never go bankrupt, which is true. America or any other country that issues its own currency can always issue more dollars to pay for goods, services, or debt. If we can never go bankrupt, the book argues that deficits don't matter. It doesn't quite say they never matter, in spite of being called the deficit myth, but it does argue that we worry about the deficit far more than we need to. Progressive Democrats have seized onto the idea that deficits don't matter to say that the government can pay for a whole lot more than it already does. I won't review the book here because I've written a review for our blog, but I want to talk about student debt since one of the many areas where progressives think we can spend a trillion dollars is on debt forgiveness for students. Chuck Schumer wants President-elect Joe Biden to forgive student loan debt with an executive order once he takes office. The order would cancel the first $50,000 of a person's student loan debt. An estimated 46 million Americans have student loans. It's the second largest form of debt in the country behind mortgages. Spending money on educating your children is one of the best ways for a parent to spend money. What's better than investing in your child's future? And education should be as widely available as possible. This well-intentioned idea is why there's over $1.6 trillion in student debt outstanding. It's pretty easy to borrow for college. The federal government subsidizes the loans and defaulting on student debt is almost impossible. Even if you file for personal bankruptcy, your student loans stay with you. This all makes it easier for young people to borrow, and they do, because in the years leading up to college, they've consistently been advised that getting into a good school should be their main objective. To student loan forgiveness figure in your plan, would you take executive action to achieve it? It does figure in my plan. I've laid out in detail, for example, the... uh... Uh, The legislation passed by the Democratic House calls for immediate $10,000 forgiveness of student loans. It's holding people up. They're in real trouble. They're having to make choices between paying their student loan and paying the rent, those kinds of decisions. It should be done immediately. The other day, an article in the Wall Street Journal highlighted some hard luck stories around student loans. They interviewed Ben Puckett. Ben is married with six children. He has an undergraduate degree in physical therapy and a master's in divinity. Ben has $95,000 in student debt. He's a pastor at a church in Michigan. Ben sounds like a nice guy, and he's trying to do good in the world. But there's something very wrong when a guy borrows nearly $100,000 to become a pastor. When politicians talk about forgiving student loans, they're probably thinking about Ben Puckett. The problem with this is why was Ben able to borrow so much money to go to divinity school? Who advised him? Ben says he was told by parents, friends, and teachers that going to college was the only way to ensure a good future. 
It's the kind of advice that's given to millions of young people. But unfortunately, Ben got saddled with debt that's probably going to be hard to pay off on a pastor's salary. It's easy to blame Ben. After all, he borrowed the money or his parents because they were presumably advising him to go into debt. But you know who's really the biggest sinner in this whole thing? The schools. Ben got his master's in divinity from the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. They exploited the ease with which Ben could borrow to pay their tuition, even though he had almost no prospect of turning that education back into income that could repay the loan. If Ben wants to pay cash for a divinity degree, that's great. But before he's allowed to go into debt, the college ought to have some skin in the game. In fact, just as mortgage underwriters are required to retain some of the risk in the mortgages they originate, in order to keep them honest, when a student borrows money, the college who's getting those tuition payments ought to stand behind the value of their education by being first on the hook if the student finds she can't earn enough to repay the loan. Colleges will be appalled at this idea. They'll say it will limit opportunities for education. But what it'll do is add a little more realism to what young people are borrowing money to learn. College students are not necessarily best able to judge whether it's worth borrowing money for a degree. Universities should have to think about how the young people that are entrusted to them will cope financially after paying their outrageous fees. So next time a politician raises the topic of student loan forgiveness, think about the pastor with $95,000 in debt and a master's in divinity and ask yourself, before taxpayers cover the cost of this exploitation of young people, why don't the schools kick in some money first? Thank you for listening to SL Advisors Talks Energy. To find more episodes like this one, go to our website, sl-advisors.com. There you can sign up for our blog, watch videos and webinars. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Simon Lack.